Let us pray. Oh God, as we come now to open Your Word, to read it, and to examine and hear of the call of Elisha, oh Lord, may we understand that we are all called to service to You. Oh God, give us understanding this morning by way of Your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes, open our ears. Give us soft hearts to hear, to understand, and to believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are able to remain standing, please do so. You can take your copies of God's Word and turn with me this morning to 1 Kings chapter 19. Kings chapter 19, we'll begin our reading at verse 19 to read to the end of the chapter, verse 21. You're now the Word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. So he, that is Elijah, departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the order of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been dealing with Elijah in the midst of depression. We saw Elijah depressed under the broom tree. After all, Jezebel, the wicked queen, was going to kill him. It was there that God ministered to Elijah, gave him food to eat from the ravens, let him rest it up, and then took him, as we saw last week, to the Mount of God, Horeb. Last week, we saw Elijah was still depressed in the cave. And part of that was because Elijah was telling and believing half-truths concerning himself, concerning the the situation that he found himself in. And so God then reminded Elijah of some truths about himself. And he called Elijah back into service. And part of that service that Elijah was to perform for God was to go and anoint his replacement. And that man was is Elisha. And we see the call of Elisha this morning. And when we think of the call uh, of God's call, we usually think of just men who are called to office in the church. Men who are called to be teaching elders, evangelists, ruling elders, or, or deacons. But yet every Christian is called. 
Every Christian is called by God to come to Jesus in faith and to follow him as a disciple of Christ. We all who are in Christ this morning, we were effectually called by God, the Holy Spirit, to come to Jesus. And we came. We are all called to be a disciple of Christ. But also all Christians are called by God to some service of our Lord in the church. We are all called to do something. Maybe it's prayer. The service of prayer. Maybe it is to be a teacher in the church of the Lord Jesus. But everyone who who are Christians, we're called to some service. All who are Christians are also called by God to some service for Christ outside of the church. Now maybe you don't think of your job as a calling, but it is. God has called you to that job, to that vocation, and part of that is to be a witness of Christ to those who are around you. And so we who are Christians, we are called to faith in Christ and service to Christ. From the moment of, of our, our conversion, our salvation, to the day we die, we are called to serve the Lord. Now in Elisha's call to serve, he, he was called to be Elijah's replacement, his, his protege that would eventually replace Elijah as God's prophets. And we have a powerful picture this morning of what it means to be totally devoted to God. And so there are three things we learn here this morning or see from our text. The first is Elisha's call from God. Now that call actually began last week and I want us to go back to verse 16 for a moment. As God there is dealing with Elijah in that cave, he said in verse 16, And Jehu the son of Nimshai you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And so Elijah there was told by God, you're going to anoint your replacement. Now, now, the first lesson for us to learn from, from Elisha's call from God is, is this, that God calls every Christian into life and ministry. Now, for Elisha, his life as a disciple and his ministry as a prophet began with a divine calling. God did, or Elisha did not call himself, God called him. And so as God told Elijah, I want you to anoint this man. I want you to anoint this man by the name of Elisha to take your place. Now, Elijah, again, during uh, that moment when God told him that, he was in the, in the depths of spiritual depression. God is calling him back into service. And now he's going to give Elijah a little help. Elijah has seen the, the downside of, of kingdom work. He has seen the, the backside of kingdom work. And now he was ready to experience a renewed side in kingdom work. And so God tells him in, to anoint Haziel to be king 
over Aram, Jehu king over Israel, and Elisha prophet. And he was, again, teaching Elijah something that none, uh, that, that, that all of his servants, all of his servants are, are dispensable. We, we know that one day we will be replaced. Now we find Elijah fulfilling that in verse 19. Elijah departed from the mouth of God. He goes and he finds Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was in the field plowing. And what does Elijah do? He passes by him and he casts his cloak upon him. Now this was a symbolic Gesture, the, the expression wearing someone mantle comes from this very passage. And by casting his mantle over Elisha, Elijah was designating the young man as his successor. As the one that would take his place. But he also was investing Elisha with all the spiritual authority that went with the office of prophet. Now notice whose idea it was to anoint Elisha. It was God's. Elijah did not choose his successor. God chose him. Elisha's calling did not come from men, but from God. And Elisha still had to answer God's call, but the calling itself came from heaven. And so we see God called Elisha into life and ministry. But then the second thing we see is Elisha leaving it all behind. To follow God. Elisha's answer to God's call teaches us a second lesson, lesson about following God. And it is this. As we follow God and answer God's call, we are, we are called to leave everything else behind. Now notice in verse 20, we see that Elisha's response to the call was immediate. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah. The mantle was cast over him. He understood what that meant. And he immediately goes. He runs after the prophets. At this moment in time. It seems like Elisha is the perfect disciple. But then he speaks. And then it gets confusing. Verse 20. Elisha says. Let me kiss my father. And my mother, then I will follow you. And then it doesn't help that Elijah's response makes it all the more puzzling when he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? Now what does Elijah mean there? Well, possibly Elijah was still having negative thoughts about living the prophetic life. Maybe he was still struggling with that. But more than likely, he was saying something like this to Elijah. Go ahead, I have not done anything to stop you from turning back. Now, there's some commentary on this in the New Testament. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. It doesn't really help us to 
clear up the confusion. But Jesus brings this up in Luke uh, chapter 9 towards the end uh, of the chapter, at the end of the chapter, and, and as he is going along the road, verse 57, 57, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now the man here in Luke 9 seems to be making the same request as Elisha made, but Jesus gives him a different answer. And by mentioning the plow, Jesus reminds us of Elisha for what was he doing when, when Elijah came, he was plowing. And Jesus tells us here that, that His kingdom comes with the demand of absolute discipleship. We cannot have two masters. We have one. And so by alluding to Elisha, by demanding immediate obedience, He was letting everyone know that He was greater than all the Old Testament prophets, including Elijah and Elisha, including Moses and any of the other prophets, Jesus' demands went farther than theirs. And rightfully so, He's God. And so what is the difference? Well, the answer lies within the hearts of these two men. Elijah knew Elisha's request came from a heart that was eager to follow. He was ready. He was ready to leave it all behind. Jesus here knew this other man's request came from a heart which was reluctant to follow. To go home and bid farewell was for Elisha the way to show that he was making a radical break with his old life and giving himself a new task. And this is seen in the process of, of bidding farewell. What does Elisha do? Well, he slaughters a team of oxen and he barbecues them on a bonfire. And so as Elisha goes and he kisses his father and his mother goodbye, he then makes that public demonstration that he is ready to follow God. Verse 21, he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and, and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. You see, his, his decision to follow God was an occasion for feasting. He was so joyful that he killed two fatted he, he was so joyful that he, he took what, what belonged to him. He sacrificed it. Now you might say, well, that wasn't too hard for Elisha, but it was. He was a man of means. Did you notice he has 12 yoke of oxen in front of him? 
And he was with the twelve. Elisha had money. He, he had means. He, he was a farmer. And, and he probably had a very big plot of land to farm. To have that many oxen. And he left it all. He left it all to do what? To follow the, God, the call of God upon him. And then there's a third thing we, we learn and, and we see in this text. And is this. Elisha then learns from Elijah. As we read at the end of our text, he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Now this teaches us the third lesson about following God and not turning back. Disciples learn how to follow Christ from older and wiser Christians. We are called to make disciples. Elisha now is going to serve as an apprentice, an intern to Elijah. And he needed to be tutored. He had to be tutored in the art of prophecy. Elisha, as he becomes Elijah's attendant, also means that Elijah became his mentor. He was going to teach this man. And their relationship becomes so close that in 2 Kings 2 and verse 12, we are going to hear Elisha calling Elijah his father. Now, if you've ever been to a presbytery meeting or a general assembly meeting, you'll hear a phrase like this, fathers and brothers. Why is that? Well, because as men speak on certain issues, they acknowledge the men who are older than them and, and are fathers in the faith and those who are brothers in the faith. A good word to describe Elisha's calling is also one of servants. He is Elijah's servant and he would minister to Elijah even in many ways, even to the point, as we'll see later, of washing Elijah's hands. But as Elisha was a disciple of Elijah, it meant as well that Elijah was teaching and discipling Elisha. Now what is a disciple? It's simply a follower, right? We are disciples of Christ if we know Him this morning in faith. We are followers of Jesus. To be discipled is to be taught how to follow Christ and not to turn back. You see, becoming a Christian is more than, than just... Praying the sinner's prayer. It, it means following Jesus with one's whole life and being. And one of the best ways to learn how to do this is to follow in the footsteps of older and wiser Christians. And this is exactly what Elisha did. But also, we who are older and wiser Christians, we should be teaching the younger. Elisha arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Now what application can we make here this morning? Well, what we have just said and seen there at the end of our text, this is one of God's ordinary 
patterns for Christian life and, and ministry. One generation of believers disciple the next. Then that generation raises up and does the same thing. And it happens over and over and over again. If we are faithful to that calling. Now obviously that discipleship begins where? It begins in the home. Christian education begins in in the home with parents discipling their children. But it also happens in the church as well. We are older Christians. We should be teaching the younger Christians. We're to be coming alongside of the families of this church and teaching them and instructing them in the ways of God. Part of that is what we do here this morning in worship and even outside of worship. There's to be this discipleship. Every one of us is called as older and wiser Christians to to teach others. Maybe not an official context of teaching in the church, but we are teachers. And what has Christ commanded His church? He has commanded us to go to the nations and do what? Make disciples. You see, discipleship does it may begin in the home, but it doesn't end there. There are too many Christians, especially in the Reformed circle, that they, are, they, they just focus on their family and they don't go outside of that. No, we are called to be disciples of the, or, or, or teachers and make disciples of all nations. What are we to teach those disciples? Everything that we have learned Christ. And so disciple making is God's pattern for growth in Christian life and ministry. It is His pattern for growth in the church. And so to that end, those who are young in the faith, they learn to follow Christ from those who are more mature. And the great thing about it is this as well. Sometimes those of us who are more mature from, in the faith will also learn from those who are young in the faith. So let me encourage you, find someone in the church to disciple. To come alongside of and to teach and and to show them the wisdom of Christ. The second application is this. The story of Elisha's call is an example for all of us. Every one of us here this morning, we are always to be prepared to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. Now, usually we think what? We think that applies to men who are called to the ministry, and it does. There have been many of men who have been called to the ministry in in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s. I know one man graduated seminary where I went at 70. He would not enter the pulpit ministry until he went to seminary. He graduated at 70. And the Lord gave him around 10 fruitful years of ministry. And so when a man who is in the midst of his life is called to the ministry, then then he leaves everything behind. He may leave behind a good paying job to go and preach. That's crazy, right? 
But that's what it means to follow Christ. If we say in our hearts, I'm willing to give up everything except this and that, and maybe a few other things, then we are in danger of turning back and no longer following Christ. You see, we see what a true disciple is this morning. A true disciple is ready at any moment to break his plow and to kindling, sacrifice the fat oxen of personal prosperity in order to follow Jesus. But not only is Elisha an example, but we have a greater example than Elisha, and that is Jesus Himself. The third application is Jesus answered the call of His Father and never turned back. And you know, He did so to save vile sinners. He didn't do so to save good people. He did all that His Father required of Him to save wicked, evil, vile, black-hearted sinners. Do you remember right before His death, Jesus went to the garden and He was praying to His Father. Now the disciples would be praying. He'd go back several times. They decided they needed a nap. And so here is Jesus. He's struggling. And what is He struggling with? He's, he's struggling with the fact that at that moment in time, the, 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 the guilt of our sins were, was, was being placed upon Him. And, and He did not know what sin was, nor the guilt of sin, for He had none. And the guilt of our sins were being, was being placed upon our Lord. And it got so intense that sweat came out and it was, it was blood from His forehead. And He prayed and He asked the Father, His Father to take the cup away from Him. You see, Jesus knew the cup that He was about to drink. It was the cup of the Father's wrath. And He asked that that cup be taken. And in the end, He realized that it could not be taken. And He committed Himself to the will of His Father. And He committed Himself and He never turned back and He went to the cross. And He followed His Father's will all the way to Calvary. He did not turn back. He did not shy away. Understand, if Jesus had turned back even for a moment, we would all be lost. We would have no salvation. We would be destined for hell. But because Jesus did not shy away, did not turn back from following His Father, He went to the cross and there He died for the sins of His people. And so finally, if Christ is calling you to be His disciple, you are to leave everything behind and follow Him. You're to first come to Him in faith and repentance. You turn from your sin. You believe and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for your salvation because you cannot save yourself. You're not good enough. You're not perfect. You can do nothing to earn God's favor. And you need the one who gave the perfect sacrifice on the cross and that is Jesus to have salvation. And so you turn from your sin and you come to Christ 
and you cry out to Him for salvation. And if you do that in faith, you will be saved. The promise is found in the Bible. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then you are called to leave everything and follow Jesus. You are called to be a faithful disciple of Christ. And so for you today, will you follow Christ? And for the rest of us, will we continue to follow Jesus? Maybe we have went through a time in our lives where we have followed Him really faithfully, but now maybe not so much. Here this morning, you're called again to follow Christ. To leave it all behind, if that is what God calls you to do. And follow Jesus. As we come this morning to the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that this table is for the disciples of Jesus. For those who have faith in Him and Him alone, and for those who are members of Christ's bride, the church. And we come and we enjoy a feast. Did you notice Elisha had a feast as he chose to follow Elijah to follow God. He, he boiled their flesh and the yolks of oxen. He gave it to the people. They all ate and they all celebrated. And this morning we come to a celebration in the Lord's Supper. We come to eat of the flesh of our Lord and to drink His blood in a spiritual manner. And it is a celebration because in the table and in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we see that Jesus answered the call of His Father and He never turned back nor shied away from it. And He answered it in full. And so we come celebrating the death of our Lord, but also be reminded of this, that God the Father vindicated God the Son on the third day when He raised Him from the dead. And then 40 days later, when Jesus ascended into heaven and sits now at the right hand of the Father. Awaiting what? That time when He will, he will be told, return. And He will again not turn back. But He will come in His glory. And usher His people home. And in that day, we'll have a greater feast. That will be the feast that we will observe in the new heavens of the new earth. And, and the feast that is before us pales in comparison to that, but it is a reminder of what is to come as well. And so as you come to the table this morning, come in faith. Come renewing that call that God has on you to follow Jesus. And to do so faithfully. No matter where He may call, no matter what He may call. We learn from Elisha that we are to follow. And leave everything behind. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, as we come to You now in prayer, we confess that we are not always faithful disciples of Yours. Oh Lord, forgive us 
And no matter what you may call us to do, may we be faithful. God, I pray if there are any here today that at this moment they, they do not know Christ in faith and repentance, that you, by way of your Spirit, would call them to Christ. That you would give them the very faith they need to answer that call and to turn from their sin and they would come and they would know of who Jesus is and they would bow before Him and confess their sin and look to Christ for their salvation and be saved. Lord, as we come to the table now, may it be a means of grace for us. Bless your table. Bless the sacrament. May we come in faith. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.